0: back in the house and we got another exclusive geekdom favorite we got tie-in author james swallow how are you sir (laughs) hey
1: cam thanks for inviting me on the show it's uh it's great to be here
0: absolutely after nominated and recently featured on the Bestseller experiment podcast it's my turn to take a crack at this talent (laughs) (laughs) uh so you have again you've done it all you've done your own material you've done uh all these other tie-ins uh you you uh just before we kind of get into this uh you've kind of been on kind of the, some of the same kind of go-to authors for tie material kind of like David Mack, Peter David, Max Allen Collins, even Timothy Zahn and Kevin J Anderson. Um uh how how big do you think that list is now <laughs> with all the tie-in novels? Well, you know, I
1: mean I to to begin with let me say I'm fly to be included on a list with with those writers, because um, they're all very, very talented guys. Um, And, you know, uh, as well as writing this stuff, I read this stuff too, right. So, so those are all guys who've written stuff that I absolutely admire, you know, Um, keeps me humble, you know, working alongside people like that, because when you're when you're in the same sphere, as those sort of people, who are constantly kind of bringing their aid game to everything that they work on. You do not want to be the guy who kind of drops the ball, right. You know, you do not want to be the one to go, ah, oh, yeah, he's not quite <laughs> as good, you know? So it, it, right? um, it encourages me to kind of do, do the best I can, you know, you can describe um, your job profession too. You're like, well, where do I begin?
0: <laughs> I'm losing you. Yeah. How do I describe my job title?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, being a I, I always say uh, if, if you ask me what I do for a living I just call myself a writer of stuff and you know some of that stuff is original fiction. some of it is is tie-in fiction where I work in in other people's toy boxes as it were. Uh, I like to to write in different spheres. I like trying different types of writing so I've done books, I've written radio drama, I've written video yes. games I've just recently I've been doing some comic book stuff. Uh, short fiction, long form fiction. Um, I I like doing that because I always feel like when you, when you write in a different kind of style, it's like you're using a different set of tools out of your toolbox and, and it improves you as a writer so that, you know, you go back and you do a different thing and you go, okay, well, what did I learn from writing a comic book? This, this thing. Okay. I can, how can I put that into work I'm going to do in a novel or work I'm going to do in a video game? So it's, um, it's a great experience uh, to be part of that. And and to work in tie-ins, and to work, as I say, you know, working kind of other people's um, toy boxes—that is—that's uh, a real gift for someone who is a diehard geek like me, right? Because right. Uh, I'm talking about fictional worlds here that, uh, me personally, I've—I've I've got a lot of joy out of over the years. You know, the different franchises that I've grown up watching and had as part of my kind of sci-fi. Fantasy landscape, and now people will say, "Well, hey, would you like to tell a story in that world as well?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, yeah." <laughs> you know, to get to be part of the kind of the the cadre of people who who contribute a little bit of that to that kind of, if you think of that crazy quilt of stories that each big franchise has, it's like, well, I can point at a little piece of that and go, "Yeah, I, I kind of I helped that bit there. I made that little piece," and that is um that is really great for for me to be able to kind of give a little something back to it. Absolutely. Uh, every once in a while, though, a contract is going to come along
0: where you got to brush up and do some extra research on something. Uh, uh, what do you do when you've got to familiarize yourself uh, with a particular subject,
1: but you don't have, you know, 50 hours of TV to watch? Have that <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, most of the IPs that I've worked on, their intellectual properties, I should say using that phrase, um, are things I'm already kind of familiar with. So, uh, Star Trek, for example, is, is a good example of yeah, that. That's a, yeah. that's a franchise that I've been. I, I started watching Star Trek in the original series in reruns back in the 1980s when I was a kid. I would come home from school and turn on the TV oh, before lovely. dinner and there would and there would be like Captain Kirk and you know the crew of the Enterprise. So for me, that was that's kind of like my first fandom, pretty much. So uh, when it comes to writing star trek for me that's like kind of putting on a pair of comfortable shoes you know comfortable old slippers it's you can like yeah slide through this even with the new yeah and you know, and it, it feels and it feels like it feels like coming home again for me so for that um i don't have to do a lot of research because a lot of it is kind of up there in my kind of nerd memory bank but um yeah with other franchises i mean it, it, what I do is I just try and steep myself in it as much as I possibly can. So if there are like fifty hours of TV, I try and watch as much of that as I can. If there's encyclopedias or there are other books, <laughs> or even if there are just kind of people who are like lore experts, you know, like I'll listen to them and like, okay, what are the interesting pieces of background for this? What's the what's the sort of like the core elements of the world? But the most important thing I try to do is I try to find the kind of tone of it you know the what is the essential texture of that world you know it's different writing Doctor Who and it to Star Trek even though they're both kind of like science fiction shows you know it's different for me to write uh, a Warhammer story than it is for me to write a Halo story you know because even though they're military science fiction they're very very different in terms of tone and it's always a question of finding that that the sound the voice of it you know because I think when you're a fan, you know what that is instinctively. And if someone presents you with a story that is not, is off, it rings that wrong note. You're like, ah, this isn't working. you know. So
0: exactly. that is
1: the thing I'm always searching for.
0: Uh, and that's a good point too. Cause like, yeah, with, with your Halo and Warhammer tie-ins, you know, it's like I was playing Halo. I, I never played Warhammer, but I could tell it was just exploding. Cause just every other comic book store had even an RPG tie-in to what's already an yeah. established computer game. Um, and games you know now it's even harder to keep up you know just there's new video game systems uh how do you familiarize
1: yourself with that well i'm a gamer i mean i've oh, i've nice. uh i've always been i've always been a gamer uh i mean you know i'm, I'm dating myself here right but i kind of grew up with the age of video games right so you know, I was playing arcade games back in the 80s. And then like, you mm. know, I became a PC gamer for a while. And then I got too lazy to do that. And now I'm a, now I'm a console casual, right? So <laughs> um, and, and that got me into, you know, part of my writing career got me into writing video games. And so I always say to my accountant, well, you know, I need to keep playing video games, I need to keep buying games, because I have to keep have to keep up with them so you You know know, um you know that's that's yeah so it's like tax deductible for me i need to buy a new playstation right so he's like are you sure okay you know but um so yeah i mean so i try to play um as many games as i can you know to just kind of keep my sort of finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry um way and, you know, and I, I get maybe I have like a couple of regular gaming days. I have like every Thursday night I play online games with my friends just as a kind of social thing. Currently, we're playing uh, what Battlefield 2042 right now. Um, but we but we but, you know, we played loads of different kind of stuff, you know, any any kind of team games where we can just get in there and kind of have some fun and blow off some steam. But I also will try and take a few hours every week just, uh, you know, to do a little bit of gaming on my own to try out something interesting and new. So I'm always trying to keep keep up to date with that, and and I enjoy it as well. You know, it's it's not just a chore; it's something that I, you know, as a as a gamer, I you know, I'm always excited. Well, what's the cool new thing? You know, what's coming up next? That's lovely. And
0: uh, have you ever been asked to help out with something like Battlefield or Call of Duty tie-ins?
1: Because I know they did some comic book just for those. No, that's you know, I, I've never done. Uh, I think the closest thing I've done to I've. I've a first-person shooter type game is so I did work on a very early iteration of Killzone 2 if you know that French mm, yes exactly. that was going to be like Sony's Halo killer but it wasn't quite as successful as I hoped mm-hmm. um <laughs> and that was uh that was so a long cool project review, but yeah yeah it was a it was a fun game I mean but it was it was a crazy project to work on because it was this is back in the day of PlayStation 2. That shows how long ago it was, right? right. It, was gonna be, yeah, <laughs> it was going to be... Yeah, it was going to be one of the last PlayStation 2 titles, and the game was delayed so long, it became one of the first PlayStation 3 titles. And, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, we worked on a, a ton of story for that, and and it all got kind of thrown in the bin and junked, and, and they started again with a completely new crew. So oh. I'd say, like, maybe... Two percent stay on, on as opposed to thanks. Well, I by didn't I I I didn't. That was it. My contract ended and they were like, Oh, thanks. Here's your it was kind of like <sighs> um I, I remember the, the the game director called me up and he's like, Well, we love the work you did. Here's your here's your check. Thanks very much for all your hard work. We've all been fired. Well, wait, what? And he was like, Yeah, whole new team's coming in, we're gonna start again from scratch, you know. And and then wow. I think they 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 did, but they did keep some of the stuff that I wrote in there. So, like I say, there's maybe like kind of one, two percent of the dialogue in that game is written by me. So I can still point it and go, I did that little piece. But you know, but yeah, it's like the, the the games industry is crazy. You know, the 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 kind of the amount of money they spend and the amount of work they get out of people is is just sometimes it's insane.
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, without naming some names, it's actually been kind of sad just seeing what video game developers have even before we had a writer's guild uh, strike uh, internationally it just seemed like there was a lot of game places that were becoming a little toxic or not paying their people right uh mythic quest the tv show on apple has actually made fun of a lot of that those kind of tropes you know gamers complain yeah, about know. everything and developers aren't sure how to please their fans except just kind of
1: yell at people
0: do something you know for
1: twenty-four yeah. hours I mean you know I mean crunch is real right it's 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 a terrible thing it's people people really get worked very very hard and you know it's because because so many people are passionate about games they're willing to kind of go that extra mile and unfortunately there are some companies not all of them I stress that I stress there are a lot of good game studios out there but there are some companies who will take advantage of that and and work people to the bone and I think it's you know at the end of the day, burning out that kind of talent is not good for the industry because if you get really talented people and you just kind of destroy all of that energy that they have in the first project, those people are going to drop out of the industry and go somewhere else. And you're going to lose that talent. You need to nurture it, you know? And if that means maybe <laughs> taking a little bit longer. But of course, the thing is, is, you know, the the games industry has fostered a kind of uh, a kind of culture that, that gamers expect. Well, I want it now. I want it now, now, now. And it's yeah. like, you know, and it's like, you can't have it. Now you know it's it's not it's not as easy to to produce stuff as, as it looks like from the outside. You know it's still happening. It's
0: just like and then with this AI controversy, we're still getting people who say, "Oh, we're paying them too much." It's like, well, then how do you expect a quality product if you keep taking shortcuts?
1: <laughs> yeah, you. Let me tell you, anybody out there who says that, you're wrong. You are not paying them enough. Right? People working in the game industry do not get paid enough. They for get. The hard work that they do. It's
0: already bad enough that they got to deal with actors and tell directors notes and even like you say uh i mean pixar seemed to be kind of one of the first back in the day i know it's movie tv wise but where they were telling everyone hey if you want this movie to look good you gotta wait another year for the graphics to render and now we're Mm -hmm. at a point where we can find shortcuts in getting the graphics to render but sometimes you know stuff can
1: can crash (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, I think if people want good quality product, it's at the end of the day they got to understand maybe this is going to take a little longer to bake, because I think was it? I think it was you know uh, Kojima, the Melky Solid Man. You know, he was the yeah he was the guy who said something like you know, I think it was like a, a his quote was like a bad game gets remembered forever, but <laughs> but like a, a good game will be worth it. You know, if you good game will be worth the wait. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, man, I agree 100 percent with that. Uh, he's been.
0: I respect him as soon as when uh, the infamous U Ball was trying to adapt every other game. And he's like, nope, you're not touching my property. I already know what you are. You don't understand how to make movies. You definitely don't know how to adapt a game. So that uh, I will put up every single cease and desist. You will not even have a dialogue about adapting our games. Uh, but... Yeah, I,
1: I I saw that Far Cry movie. That was um, interesting. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, though. Right? Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, what are some
0: tropes about being a writer that you've had to break the ice and reveal what outdated and trivial facts those have become, like writer's block, for instance?
1: Oh, yeah, okay. You know, people say to me, like, oh, how do you deal with writer's block? And I always say, no such thing. Is not you know, it's, real, yeah. It feels like it's, it, there's a lot of kind of, the, the tropes around being a writer, a lot of them these kind of romanticized ideas of, of what it is to be somebody who writes, is that we, you know, we sit in our kind of lofts and, you know, kind of, and we get the vapors and we stare at the and I go, oh, my muse has not arrived today. Oh no, I must take to my fainting couch, you know, and wait for, wait for my muse. My muse, she comes in at 9am, she punches the clock like everybody else. She takes her lunch break. She goes home at the end of the day, you know, because if you want to be a working writer, you have to treat it like everybody else's job. And, and I always say, you know, it's, this is because if you want it to be a career, and for me, definitely, it is a career i mean it can be a hobby you know it can be something you do for fun and i respect people who do that but that's not what i do this is my this is my job 24/7 i do not have another job that supports me i write every well 5 days a week for you that's know good. That that pays my rent, that pays my mortgage, that pays my food. That's the job that I do. Pays the and agent so I ha- manager. Yeah. And so I have to treat it, you know, like anybody else would treat a job. And so when someone says do you get writer's block, I say, Well, does a plumber get plumber's block? Does you know does a plumber wake up in the morning and go, Oh man, I, I just I just can't put another toilet in. I just, oh, I can't do any more sinks today. Oh, that's too much for me. It's like, you know, a dentist doesn't get dentists block you know a baker doesn't get baker's block right and it's Maybe the same they're way just with, a block head <laughs> you know it's like everybody has a day at their job no matter what it is where you just think oh man I just don't want to do this today and it's like that's just what it is to be human that's just that's just the nature of things right and you have to treat it like just the same way so if I have a day where I wake up and I think like oh I, I, I'm just not feeling it too bad you know get to work. Get your oss in chair hands on keyboard right and just start writing and even if i work on something that day and i get to the the end of the day i look at it and go this is not my best work that's fine because i know i can come back tomorrow and i can fix it and i can edit it and i can make it better in in the revisions but the important thing is just to keep on working if you if you feel you are blocked maybe it's you know something wrong with your work maybe there's something about it you haven't done right maybe you haven't plotted it correctly maybe the characters aren't kind of clicking with you you know Go back and look at what you've done, but it isn't this sort of mythological thing that kind of like a cloud passing in front of the sun suddenly you may not write it's not like that you know it's just just get to work, force your way through you know get it. that's my that's my kind of ethos with that absolutely so I've seen that you've gotten some fanfare for Warhammer
0: uh, four thousand as well as uh the judge dread material uh what fan mail would you say you've received the most though overall? <laughs>
1: Oh uh, yeah, well you know, um, the the Warhammer stuff. I did a I did a lot of uh, of work on so that. Much. over you the got years. like sixteen um, titles on. There. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's the, it's an interesting franchise to work yeah. on because um, it has a very passionate fan base, and and I say that in quotation marks. You know, it's a lot of the people I've met in Warhammer fandom are you know really just amazing people with some and incredible got, stories. Because you got know, so
0: many gaming communities which have kind of gone out of the sequence. You know, like Activision. For instance, yeah. kind of distance fans when they were making Call of Duty, and then the Call of Duty fans were kind of trolling each other, eating each other alive. So,
1: to have a friendly fan base and geekdom, is, yeah, is everything. But of course, the thing is, is that's not everybody. There is there is always yeah. that there is always the toxic element, you know. And, and I have had my encounters with that toxic element. You know, I have I've had death threats from people. I have had people who Lord. you know I have hated my work and i've said like you know that, that they're gonna do horrible things to me and i'm you my reaction had,
0: this character i'm gonna kill yeah, you know your house but my just... reaction
1: is kind of like yeah bring it you know and and, <laughs> and 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 let me tell you no one has ever brung it no one has ever ever brung it and it's, it's because always think, funny when it's a six-year-old
0: talking smack and you're like where are <laughs> your parents <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've had, to, well, I, I have met grown men who haven't been happy with my work. And I always just kind of engage it directly and say, look, you know what, if you, if you don't like my work, we can have a conversation about it. Uh, and I'll, and I will happily tell you why I do what I do. And, you know, we can be, re- we can disagree and be respectful of each other. There's no, re- it doesn't eat- have to be flipping tables and stuff. You know, we, you, we can be an adult yeah. about it. And if you don't want to do that, then we'll see you by, you know, you, you go your way, I'll go mine because at the end of the day i i just do my work and try and live it down and i know the fact that i am never going to make everybody happy that's the thing about a fandom right is is that there's always going to be people who have an idea of what a particular character or universe is they have that head canon right and and you cannot look inside that person's head and go okay i will write a story that fits perfectly with what you want you just write the story that you can write that fits with the the brief that you have been given as a writer and, and that's the, that is the long and the short of it. And I say to people, you know, if you don't like my work, just, you know what, put it down and move on because there's a ton of other books out there that you, maybe you will like, go, go ahead, go read those, you know, don't waste your time disliking me. It's, you know, because I'm still here, I'm still writing, I'm still doing it. I feel the same way myself when I, you know, if I come across work that I don't like, I don't want to waste time hating on it. I just think, you know what? This isn't for me. And if someone asks me my opinion, I'll say, you know, "Ah, that wasn't to my tastes. I just go and find something that is to my taste. I'd rather celebrate what I enjoy than denigrate what I hate. It just seems like a a waste of energy.
0: Yeah, it's not constructive, that's for sure. Uh, Any college uh, campuses or other online studies you would recommend for people in this day and age who still want to actually have a writing career?
1: Well, I would say that, you know, um, I, I, I didn't go to college to learn to be a writer. Uh, I don't I don't say to people like, yeah, I, I know there are some people who say, well, <laughs> you've got to have a degree of some sort. You know, you've got to have a degree in literature or this, that, and the other to, to be a or writer. You've got to just know someone, you know, um, that's not true. You know, if you want to write, then just write. You know, if you feel you want to go and get an education, then by all means, you go do that. Because the, you you know you're going to learning stuff is great, right? Because if you, you're always going to learn something, make even if Even if you learn something that is kind of negative and you come away from it with a negative experience, well, that's great. You've still learned something. You've some Absolutely. something that's going to form your ability and your skills as a writer. But the way you become a good writer is 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 you write. You know, I was I was watching that documentary on Netflix, uh the one about Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about his Career, yeah, and in yeah. the first episode, he talks about becoming a bodybuilder, and he says like, you know, he just went into the gym and he just started training, and it's like it's obvious, right? That's how he became a bodybuilder. It's yeah, like that's how you become him. a. It's the same thing. That's how you become a writer. Sit down mm-hmm. and write. What what I hear a lot from from like kind of young new writers, people who are just starting out, is they say, oh, I worked on a thing and I I got kind of halfway through it and I didn't like it, so I abandoned it and I and I threw that piece of work away and I've started working on something else and I say, well. Nobody wants someone who can't stick the landing. Yes. You know, all you're going to have is a box full of half-written stories. You're never going to be 100% happy with what you do, but the key to it is finish what you start. Finish it. That if, if I give no other advice to anyone who wants to be a writer, it's those two words, finish it. Because once you do the thing that you want to do, once you've written that story, even if you get to the end and you go, I'm not happy with that, that's good because you've learned how to be critical of your own work and you can improve when you do the next thing and the next thing. And that's how you do it. It's iterative process. It is like building muscles. It's like, you know, if you exercise it, it gets stronger. If you don't, it gets flabby. It atrophies. It's just as simple as that. Totally.
0: Oh man, that's some good stuff. And uh, have you tried to get into you have a wonderful voice but um uh, have you tried Ridiculous. to get into any
1: public speaking or screenwriting side gigs as well i've done um uh, i i i think i have a good voice for radio i've done, i do <laughs> i do a lot of um of radio drama stuff like that. so i i love doing radio stuff and i've uh, i've had some fun with that it, pretty much every time i've written a radio project i am in it somewhere uh, i do a little alfred hitchcock moment right so if you hear somebody being shot dead or falling off a building. If you hear that kind of Wilhelm scream or somebody getting crushed underneath the wheels of a tank, that's usually me just coming on to do a little scream. So I guess, oh, there I am. That's me dying horribly right there. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you know, all that kind of thing, getting getting eaten by a monster or getting shot in the head or something horrible like that. That's you know, I'm always doing things like that. I like doing, but I, I enjoy radio and audio. I think it's a really terrific medium for storytelling because you have the best special effects budget in the world right which is your listener's imagination your voice yeah <laughs> yeah and you know and and you and you get some great voice actors and you work with like you know really talented engineers and sound effects people musicians and you can conjure a fantastic world just with kind of all of those different elements and i think audio is a really great medium because it's very intimate you know it's it's kind of you're talking directly to the listener and it's like you're right there in their head with them and it's almost like the the listener becomes part of the story because they are creating the world as they hear it. So they're kind of complicit in the creation of the story. And I think that makes you kind of connect with, with a dramatic sort of plot line much more than you would if you're kind of sitting back passively and kind of looking at it on the screen. Right.
0: And, man, and to radio is just good at also just reminding us, hey, it all begins with a script. <laughs> that's yeah, very these true yeah. Voices.
1: yeah I mean it's you know it's an that's an exciting experience I mean I remember the first time I ever worked on a radio project is I went into the recording studio uh, this was for the for the Judge Dread franchise based on the 2008 comic book character right and and I had these ideas like oh I know okay this is what I want the voices to sound like and it's going to be like this and I had this whole kind of version of it in my head and the director just did it completely differently And I was like, "Wait, what? No, 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 no! This is not how this goes. It's not supposed to be like this." And 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 he said, "Can I swear on this podcast? Am I allowed to say the words?" Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so he said to me, "With all due respect, Jim, shut the fuck up." And he's like, "This is. He's like, you've done your job with your script. Shut up. Let me do my job. Let the actors do their job. You know, you you're." We appreciate your input, but this is as far as you go. And I thought, what? And I and I and I walked out of the room and I and, and I and I went to have a cup of tea. And I stood in the green room on my own. And I sat there and I thought about it. And I thought, you know what? He's absolutely right. This is not my place to tell him how to do his job. It's not my place to tell him how to let, trust the actors, trust the the other team members. So I went might back and doing
0: the room. what you want, but they're doing it in a different way. So it doesn't yeah. seem apparent at first. It's just like watching a movie half finished without the effect shots inserted.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, what I realized in that moment—it was a very important lesson for me—was just embrace that, embrace that energy that the other people are going to bring. These actors come in and they put their energy on it, and a director has their direction. You know, instead of kind of going, "Oh, it's not how I see it in my head," you have to look at it—the inverse of that—and say, "This is this is growing from the script that I create. If that's the seed, this is the plant that grows from it, and this is the—you know—this is the flowering of this of this story." And now I go back and I listen to that script that I wrote back then, and, and I can't hear it in a different way. It's like the version that they made is the exact right version of it. Absolutely. I'm and... glad I learned that lesson very early on, you know, because I think if I hadn't, I might have been <laughs> a bit more of a dick about things. So so that was, yeah, an important yeah, lesson to learn. Like you say, I just see it in the flesh. how, how it all
0: occurs. Yeah. How would you say you organize your days? You know everyone has a process and time management is key for everything. But how, how, how did you organize? learn your own thing? Like I have this much me time, I have this much, you know, for personal time, exercise, food.
1: You know, I would personal. say how do I organize my day badly? You know, as I, I should <laughs> I should be better at it by now. I mean uh generally what I do is so I have a I have an office in my house. And I'm lucky now that I I have, uh, so I I have like a kind of 12 foot commute from my bedroom to my office. (laughs) I used to have a day job like normal people, like regular decent human beings. But now I managed to kind of build myself a career where it's kind of like, you know, I, I can go into my office and I can work. So generally... I'm kind of backside in my chair by nine o'clock, and I, I do my kind of morning email run, I check sort of like that kind of stuff. And then I get into it, and then, and I just I just work a kind of nine till five, maybe sort of 10 till six day, take an hour for lunch, you know, and um, your mind. Gen- generally, that's just kind of like, I, I, I will set myself a target, depending on what the project is. So if it's like a comic book, it might be a certain number of pages. If it's a script, same thing. If it's a book, it might be a word count. I might say, okay, The you know the needs of the project. If it's this long, I need to do this many days, and I need to write this amount. So every day, I will say, okay, your word count target for the day is X, and I will work towards that target. And I don't always make it, you know. And I've learned not to kind of beat myself up about it if I Mm -hmm. if I miss the sort of mark a few times. As long as I'm not doing it every single day, that's fine, you know, because you always kind of catch up on different days. Some days you have a bad day, some days you have a good day. And I just I just work my way through it. I, I I for a long time I was working seven days a week, and then as I've gotten further on from my career and I've I've had a little bit more success, I've kind of reduced that down to six days, and now uh, I'm lucky enough to be working a five day week, which for me is kind of excellent because it's back to yeah. being like a regular person. and I can actually take my weekends off. He's a real boy. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You know, it's it was. Um, I mean, I, I can remember when I when I did have a day job before I started writing full time. You know, I would I would work my day job. I used to work in an industrial laboratory, not the cool kind of industrial lab mm. with cloning dinosaurs or time machines or cyclotrons, mm. none of that cool stuff. No, it was pretty dull. Um, but I would come home in the evening. I would have dinner, and I would go upstairs into my room and sit there, and I would write. And I would write until the kind of wee hours, and I'd go back to work the next day. And I'd be falling asleep in meetings. Oh no. And that's, And that's kind of when I realized, like, you know, I don't want, this is the day job. I do not want to be doing this for the rest of my life. The thing I want to be doing, the thing I love doing is the writing thing I'm doing in the evening. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of when I decided, like, okay, you know, I'm going to try and make this my career. and, uh, (laughs) And I set myself that goal. That's good. I... You
0: actually ran into my next question. Uh, I was wondering how word counts and page numbers, uh, how that configures. Uh, it seems like I've heard mixed takes on that. Some people pay by the word count versus by the hours put into it. Uh, how, how do they process that nowadays uh, with publishers? It, and it depends
1: licensing? on the on the project. you know like so if I'm working on a video game project, that's usually that's a day kind of thing, so they pay me by the day. But Ooh, they'll yeah. say like, okay, you know, we want you to do a script that's this long. How many days will that take you? And I say, okay, that's 10 days work. They're like, okay, we'll pay you for 10 days. So usually I say like 10 days plus a couple of days for revisions and stuff like that, right? Um, with with a uh, short fiction, again, it will be like, you know, they'll give you a set word count for it. If it's a comic book, could be like, like if it's an American Marvel comics kind of style, that's like 20, 22 pages of comic book per issue. It's like how many days it take you to write that? If it's a novel, it's a different kind of thing because generally a book, uh, most books these days are between the hundred to one hundred twenty thousand words, maybe eighty thousand words at the bottom end of the spectrum. And the the thing is, there is they say, okay, well, you know, we're going to give you, if you're lucky, you get six months to do it. Most of the time, <laughs> it's like three. You know, if you're if you're a really high-profile writer, if you're kind of like Stephen King, you get to take as long as you damn well want, right? But um, with somebody like me, like a kind of jobbing, jobbing writer, right? It's like, okay, I know I've got six months, four months, three months maybe to write this. And I have 100,000 words to write. So I said, like, okay, sit down and just start doing it. And I set myself, again, that word count target and just kind of work my way through. I edit as I go. So what I do every morning is I wake up and I edit the work I did the previous day. Oh, to kind of get, so that kind of gets me rolling. So by the time I'm writing new stuff, i kind of up to speed. Um, but yeah, that's just my process. Or colleagues come over and just read it aloud. Usually, what I'll do is when I'm when I'm done, when I have a draft that I think is presentable, I will pass that around to a couple of friends of mine who are other writers, uh, people who who I trust, people who have experience in in the industry. You know, who who will look at it and say, okay, you know, this is good. Or you know, it's a bit flabby here. Well, you don't resolve this character, or you know, what have you. And I do that job for other writers as well. So we have like a kind of little kind of a little circle of people who, you know, a little circle of trust, right? We look at each other's work, but I That's generally, I, I don't, um, I, I wouldn't show anybody anything until I think it's good. I know I know some people like to workshop their stuff and they'll do it like chapter by chapter, almost kind of page by page, but not me. I th- I have to feel like it's presentable. It's I couldn't just kind of go oh, yeah.
0: yeah, you know, and as opposed to halfway done.
1: <laughs> yeah, half yeah, I don't want to show somebody something that's half baked because for me that's kind of embarrassing, you know. I'm like I have a reputation to uphold, right? I, I want it to be decent quality. And 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 because I edit as I go, you know, that that means that my work kind of takes a slightly different form to maybe a writer who would kind of just like just write the whole thing from start to finish and then just uh, go back and edit it after the fact you know write the whole thing and then edit everything so people like that you know they, they have a very different process from me I mean I know I know writers who will who will write tens of thousands of words and then throw the whole thing away and start again because they need to kind of have that run up and to me I'm like my god why would you waste all that energy doing that but but that's their process right they the thing about being a writer is people say, what's the right way to do it? You know, what is the, there
0: is what none. is the formula, you know, <laughs> and,
1: and, you know, is the, what is the kind of the, 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 the secret, you know, what is the one weird trick, right? Like you're you a have secret
0: to... God in human form <laughs> told me everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's, the, and, and the, I'll tell you what the secret is. The secret is that there is no secret. And that's very that's that's not what people want to hear, you know. But it's the truth. It's just like it's just get get down and do the work. That's all there is to get it.
0: Down, get down.
1: <laughs> that's great. And
0: uh, how many friends would you say you've made in this industry?
1: Oh, you know, it's uh, the the what I found about the race from from industry the people who be- pay you, obviously. But I mean. Because- like- <laughs> just the, they're not always just... my friends. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there. There is a. Yeah, I think with any group of people who like feel like they're kind of a bit put upon, this, you know, if you give, if you get a bunch of writers in a room, I guarantee you we will start whining about stuff within like five Mm -hmm. minutes it's like you know if you work with that guy god he's terrible i hate that guy right oh this job oh maybe he doesn't like you he's fine with everybody else (laughs) it's like you know you get a group of writers together and what you get is war stories about like you know oh the worst job i ever had or the worst person i ever did the oh you know this terrible thing that happened um and what's great about that and that's this is the thing i say again to people who want to be writers is, is build your network with other people have that have that there because you need that sanity check always because because stuff will happen to you and you'll be like am i crazy is this just me who thinks this (laughs) and if you're in a room by yourself because writing is a very solitary experience you know you you don't have a lot of interface with other people unless you're maybe like working on a tv show or something going into a writer's room every day if you're writing a book it tends to be you and the editor for most of that process and it is useful sometimes to just have other writers and go you know am i crazy when I think this and because other writers will go, no man, you're not crazy. It happened to me too. And you think, oh, it's great. You know, I feel relieved. I know I can I can get back to it. It's very important to have that, uh, to have that kind of support structure around you.
0: Absolutely. Structure is the key word, that is for sure. Uh, have you noticed uh how other people have been getting into any kind of writing industry uh lately? It seems like there's a few other Recent hacks that people have done, people have been self-publishing books, and lo and behold, they're becoming movies. Look at the Martian.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's the the the, it is a weird job, right? Because there's no kind of one pathway to success. And then each market keeps getting oversaturated.
0: Everyone's like, Bitcoin's the future, and already it's like, nope, don't even bother. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean (laughs) I remember when when uh when Wattpad first came along, people were like, Oh, this is how writing's gonna be now, right? And I, and I thought that's interesting. It's like I, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't appeal to me. But I was like, that'll work for some people, uh, right. and it did. It did work for some people, but it didn't work for other people. And 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 it's anybody who says to you that they have the kind of the magic rainbow bridge to success <laughs> is lying. Right? That right. it's like it it may be successful for some right people. Place, right time. That's yeah, right. it is. I mean, I, I I talk about um people often say to me like oh i love this franchise i'd love to write a book for that franchise how does that work uh you know i've written sort of my fan fiction would, would will it be like a kind of golden hand coming down from out of the sky picking me up from fandom and elevating me to being a tie-in writer and i say no that doesn't happen but then again i know someone who that did happen to i have a friend that is exactly what happened to her she she someone read a fan fiction story that she did She didn't even submit it. It was like someone else said, have you seen this? She got a phone call from the people who were working on the official licensed franchise. They said, you're a great writer. Do you want to do this for real? Come up to the big leagues, as it were. And she said, yeah. And I tell people that story and they go, oh, there's hope for me yet. And I say, well, no. What you've got to realize is she was the unicorn, right? She's the black (laughs) swan event, right? Is that is not going to happen to you. That happened once to her. It won't happen to you because every 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 story you know you ask 10 different writers how they got where they got and they will tell you 10 different stories you know for me i started off writing for for fanzines um uh, mm. back in the day that's how i kind of cut my teeth you know just nice. doing that sort of thing fan newsletter stuff and and then i wrote articles for like uh genre magazines you know i was, oh, I, was, was I didn't know my dude and, i wish more people kind would of discuss thing. that <laughs> and but that was like so i, I was kind of like an entertainment nerd journalist basically and, and and I did that for a while. Uh, and then I kind of got to the point in my life where I realized that I really wanted to be, instead of writing about the people who were doing the writing, I wanted to be the person being written about. Actually contributing to the universe instead of saying, yeah.
0: oh, how great it is, how holy and you know, immortalized it is in pop culture.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was, it was fun for me. I, one of the magazines I worked on was the, the, the official Star Trek magazine. And, uh, and so I would interview people who were on the shows and I would interview the actors and the directors and what have you. But I would always say to my editor is like, can I talk to some of the writers? You know, can we talk to some of the script writers on Star Trek? And they're like, Oh yeah, okay, sure. And so I would go and talk to these guys and I would secretly be getting kind of an education from them as well. So I would ask, I would ask them about the show, but I'd also say like, you know, Oh, this is very interesting. What would you do if you had a problem in act three of your story? And they're like, "Are you sneakily getting kind of answers to writers' questions?" Like, "Yes, sir. Yes, I am." You know, and so, and so, I learned a lot from those guys. And 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 having seen that, a very like, healthy you
0: know, set of people: Ronald D. E. Moore, yeah. Uh, oh God, Raga, yeah. and I'm, you know, even more. Uh, we we've done even podcast features on the key Star Trek writers. Everyone from D.C. Fontana to Jonathan Franks. Oh. and it's just always interesting how they had to pick their teeth doing all kinds of gigs, you know, like, yeah. uh, I think what was it? Uh, his name always escapes me, uh, but uh, uh, the one who directed the most Star Trek episodes I know uh, had prior to that, like, been the unit production manager. So.
1: Right. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's interesting you talk about Ron Moore, you know, I remember uh, reading, it's like i uh, reading an Battle article. Battlestar's and... gonna fail! <laughs> it was is that like when he was when he first started he got his first job on, on next generation i remember reading this article in starlog magazine about how he'd gone <laughs> from just like lucky fanboy to being being picked to be on the show and then like the week after i read
0: that who knew it yeah it
1: was, it was the week after i read that article i was in the 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 roddenberry building on the paramount lot and, and i met him in the corridor and i was oh, like oh my wow. god you have run you're ron moore and he's like uh yeah. And I was and I was like, wow, your story is really inspiring to me because you know you've done what I would like to do. Is like, you know, you stepped up and you've done it. And he and he was and I was like, what's it like? And he's like, man, it's really hard work. And I remember he was he was super humble, but uh, yeah. and he was clearly kind of rushed off his feet. And I was like, and I just shook him by the hand. I said, Thanks for being kind of like you know, uh inspirational in, in your own way. And uh, you know, and he's gone on to do such great things. Yep, and, and you versus know, evil for all mankind. Yeah. Yeah terrific terrific right and a really nice guy you know and uh in the in the years since uh, i did interviews and stuff with him uh, uh talked to him about when he was working on battle star and stuff like that and he remembered me you know which is really nice
0: that's and even better when they're like you know, yeah you're the guy who actually wanted to know
1: you're that british guy who <laughs> who wouldn't shut the hell up yeah right. <laughs> but it was uh, but it was cool yeah. <laughs> yeah but there's a you know there's a lot of really talented people there on on those shows who've who have gone on to to do uh, bigger and better and more things you know now you, you see them. in stages it's like a. I think that kind of era of Star Trek was an incubator for a lot of talented people who have gone on to make their own, create their own shows as well. You know, Absolutely. not just like Ron Moore, but people like uh, Brian Fuller is another example of somebody who mm-hmm. uh, was was uh, taught me a great great deal. Is I, like, you know, I went to to pitch for Star Trek Voyager, and Brian was often the guy that I would speak to, and I remember he had this office full of kind of like crazy toys everywhere all over his desk. And he would sit there playing with these action figures while he was talking to me. And he would just like drop these nuggets of, of amazing <laughs> kind of writer sort of wisdom. And I was like, wow, I am lucky to be in the presence of this guy because you ever meet Michael Pillar? Just stuck the stuff up. Oh, yeah. Michael yeah, Pillar is. Don't I mean, love his
0: philosophy how every episode is a, uh,
1: a round of baseball? How are you going to get to the finish <laughs> line? How are you going to strike mean- out? <laughs> And and the thing is is I think everybody who's who's come up since TNG owes Michael Piller a debt of gratitude because Oh, especially for the openers and closers and then
0: having some of them do it and him having to redo it again. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, and, and but he is the guy who said, you know, he's the guy who who started up the open door policy where he said, yes. okay, if you know, if you want to come in and pitch for Star Trek and you don't have an agent, you can do it. And and I did that, you know. And I I I went in on that policy, and That's I right. I got to sell a couple of pitches for Star Trek Voyager, you know, years down the line. I would never have had that opportunity if not for that man's generosity. I mean, it's a great loss. It's just, it's a real shame that he passed. Yes, but, um, a, a fantastic writer and a really nice guy who who I think did a did a great deal for for helping keep that franchise um, alive. Like just say
0: for- he was a he was just a multi collaborator. I mean, who who says i'm gonna do a cool remake of both the book and movie version of the dead zone and do my own take on it make it its own thing and then have my son be the showrunner <laughs> that's that that is a dedication right there
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i got to meet him uh when he was working on season one of dead zone actually and that was like i just sort of shook him by the hand i was like man thank you for everything, for everything. you've done yeah. you know for for just kind of like letting kind of a chancer like me kind of and, and all the other people like me to kind of take an opportunity. And he, and he just said, you know, that, that, that these, these TV shows, they are machines that eat ideas and and you have to keep shoveling them in like coal in the furnace. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there are people out there with great ideas. And it's like, you know, if you can, if you can do the work, there's a place for you here. And, I, and that lesson, you know, always stuck with me. Absolutely. To have those lessons, and you remember him just like it was
0: in the flesh on day one it's like see that's that's that person's also a teacher um yeah absolutely have you kept up with uh naren shankar who wrote a lot of data episodes as well as the 90s outer limits and was showrunner on both csi and the expanse
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's that there's somebody else there who
0: you know he broke um... the rules like uh, I was listening to How Not to Make a Movie and it has a lot of the same guys who worked on Tales from the Dark Side and Crip who later worked on uh, uh, the, the 90s Outer Limits and one rule they had in that writer's room was no time travel and Naren was able to successfully break that because he has the science background so he's like here's what we're going to do and boom it's <laughs> just made an awesome <laughs> time travel
1: episode. Yeah absolutely.
0: Uh, man. Um, uh, and have there been any future collaborations you've been wanting to do for a while? Some of your brethren where you're just like, we, we got to work on a project together.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 funny you should say that because I've just just finished up working on a collaboration with uh, a good friend of mine, a, a fellow writer, a chap called Ben Aranovich. He and I have known each other for, Sweet. Oh, wow, a long time now. So he
0: he and I met. a tongue saying that name, Ben Aranovich.
1: He and I met. On a on a reboot, a failed reboot of a of an old British sci-fi show called Blake Seven, which is I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's kind yeah, of like I, I saw you had done some novels for that, and I, I actually just got
0: into some of it this year. I can totally see so, why Doctor Who and Twilight Zone yeah. and Star Trek. It's in that kind of special. Like,
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, it's
0: British sci-fi. It's
1: this. It's it's you know, it's this kind of Robin Hood meets the Dirty Dozen in space kind right. of story, right? You know. And, and and we worked on that for a while. Unfortunately, you know, we, we did some audio drama versions of it, but we never got the TV show off the ground. But, um, you know, I, I worked with some really, really talented, super cool people there, and, and Ben was one of those. And he's gone on to write this um, urban fantasy police procedural series called Rivers of London, which is basically wow. about a regular British beat copper who gets involved in the kind of the last kind of magic using uh guy basically he just becomes the apprentice of that guy and it's it also now peter grant and there you go the peter grant series yeah and so it's that's it's awesome. it's um it's it's this kind of strange blend of a of a kind of hard-edged police procedural series with kind of magic users and and you know all that kind of strange stuff going on it's uh it's kind of it's it's um it's dungeons and dragons meets hill street blues right it's that kind of, sort oh, of stuff right and um <laughs> that's he's probably pretty... gonna He's probably going to be angry with me making that comparison, you know. People other people say it's like oh it's like Harry Potter became a policeman. I'm like no, it's cooler than that, much cooler than that.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, but everyone so, takes a minute to get the metaphors for comparisons yeah. and pitching. I mean, you have to pitch something to even get it made, you know. Even yeah, let's say sure. you're doing a crime assassin underworld thing. I know as, as soon as you mention that everyone instantly goes, "Oh, just like pulp fiction or John Wick." And it's like you got to basically say yes even though you're not going for that exact same kind of brisk dialogue and dark comedy (laughs)
1: yeah yeah and so yeah and so Ben had been working on that for a while now he's done kind of like several novels for it and he's also got a comic book series and uh and he and I he he knew that I wanted to do some more work in comics and he said to me "Look, why don't you come and do do a Rivers of London comic book with me and we could both have some fun with that and so we collaborated on that and and I I just finished the writing of that first issue is going to be coming out in a couple months time it's called Here Be Dragons and and, and i had absolute just such a blast working on it because it, it was it wasn't like work at all really i was just like hanging out with my friends coming up with cool story ideas and we've got some really talented artists and uh and the uh, the guys at the comic company were like oh we love this let's just go for it and so it's been <laughs> it's been such fun doing that um it's great you know, i mean i like uh, some writers like to kind of sit in their corner and just do their thing on their own. And that's fine. You know, and and there are times when, when I like to do that as well, but I also enjoy collaborating with other people because you always get more energies. Like I said earlier about people bringing their energy to a, to a project, you never know yeah. how it's going to go. And if you work with people who are talented, I think it raises, it raises the game for everyone.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you've raised a game. You've done the Sundowners and Mark Day, your two original timelines. <laughs> you know no no one can touch that
1: you know you yeah uh,
0: you get to decide where that storyline goes and you finally but when did you finally feel like uncomfortable now I, in my own skin i can justify my own world with its own rules
1: yeah well you know the, i mean the sundown series that was like the very first thing i ever wrote that's back way back in like oh, one. 2001 yeah. when i did that you know so <laughs> and and that was uh, that was kind of this y a steampunk western kind of thing um and I asked. would win in a fight
0: (laughs) gunslinger tyler and five hog or mark dane
1: (laughs) Uh, see i don't know i mean those those guys would just get they they go to sit in the bar and have a chat i think those Uh, guys would get on yeah they'd 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 team up they'd be good friends you know but yeah i mean it was very different sort of kind of sun is very different kind of tonally it was for me people said to me what, what kind of inspiration did you get and i said well as long as like Obviously, like a lot of classic westerns, but Raiders of the Lost Ark was the kind of inspiration for me—like pulp action adventure kind of stuff, you know, kicking off and that kind of thing. And and so, after I did the the Sundowners series, that was kind of like my calling card. So I went to other publishers and I said, "Look, I did this. I can write a book. You know, I I, people paid me for it, and it came out. It's a it's a real thing. I must be good." And so that's how uh, that's how I got my kind of foot in the door with with the other franchises. And so for so for a while, I was writing in other people's worlds. And and that was good. I mean, that got my work exposure that it wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But after a few years of that, I started to think, well, as much fun as this is, at the end of the day, you you know, you have this box of toys that they give you and they say, you know, write a story with these characters and these worlds, but you have to hand it back at the end of the day. You can't You can't change anything. You can't grow it appreciatively. You have to just kind of almost reset it back to zero. And I thought, I don't want to keep doing that i want to do my own thing and so i thought i'll try something different and i've been doing a lot of science fiction and fantasy and i thought well let's try something that is in a different genre and my next favorite genre after sci-fi is i love sort of action thrillers i love sort of espionage stuff you know the kind of yeah. mission impossible jason bourne Equalizer,
0: kind of thing. tom glancy yeah. yeah
1: all of that kind of thing and so i thought let's do something in that sort of sphere and that was that was the genesis of me doing the the mark dane stories because he's the, he's the guy in the van. You know, you always see that in a, in a spy movies, there's always the guy who's the door kicker and the trigger puller. Right. And that's the guy who's kind of going in and, and doing the, doing the stuff. And then he's always on the radio kind of going to some guy. Oh, okay. You know, can you hack that thing for me? Can you, can you get this door open? Can you, you know, give me a satellite call in the drone strike. And that guy is always in a van somewhere on a computer. Right. And I thought to myself, <laughs> what if I told a story about the guy in the van having to do the other guy's job? And that's, <laughs> and that's the, that's the, that's who Mark Dane is. He's, he's a guy, he's the guy in the van. who gets, his team gets wiped out. And so suddenly he's the guy at the sharp end of things. He's the guy on the run, having to deal with all this terrible stuff happening to him. And that was the genesis of that character. And uh, once I started writing that, that, that was the the start of the, the Mark Dane series. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's been a that's been a lot of fun doing those because it got me to write different styles and, and exercise different kind of writing muscles uh, and i had a lot of fun doing those
0: I, I gotta speaking of those uh comic tie-ins and sabotaging uh uh are we can we expect more from commando comics uh i, I looked those up and it was like wow I'm, I'm really getting vibes of those saboteur novels
1: from oh yeah the, the you know C'mon is a fun thing you know for it's for for British people it's it's of a certain age right it's a it's a thing from our childhood right it's mm-hmm. those comic books they're up to kind of 5,000 odd issues now right it's coming out sort of like they come out in groups of four every two weeks they've been published in the UK since the the 1960s and they're still yes. going and they're these little kind of digest they format love guns books. and
0: Navarone type escapism. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's always that kind of two-fisted sort of kind of take that, you Nazi swine. <laughs> yeah, you know, Indiana sort Jones, Grey Escape. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all stuff like that. You know, Grey Escape, uh, Indiana yeah. Jones, definitely like you know, Six Three Three Squadron, Guns of Navarone. You know, Operation Crossbow, Bridge Too Far. Any of those kind of classic war movies. Yeah, there's a good one. You know, uh, it's have, all of those been, kind of stories. Do You think there's still going to be some Indiana Jones tie-in novels since they're doing the final movie now? You know, I I was just I was just complaining about that on Twitter today, is that the they they have not done or at least as I haven't seen it announced, they haven't done a tie in novel for for a dial of destiny. And I'm like, where is it, man? Someone should write that. They had you know? some great comics. <laughs> yeah. I mean the the Indiana Jones stuff is that's something People I love like, that you know, I'm, Even... a, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, I, I, I bought all of the time th- back in the 1990s. Bantam Books did these original yeah. novels, and I bought like every single one of those. <laughs> and and I, I absolutely you know hoovered up every single one of those because I love those stories. And it would nothing would give me more pleasure than to see. Indy come back because he's because he's a timeless character, you know. And the thing is, is you know Harrison Ford saying, "Well, you know, okay, this is the last movie I'm going to do. Indiana Jones is going to retire." And it's like, I respect that. Thank you, sir, for giving us all these great movies. You go off and enjoy your retirement. But the character doesn't have to retire, right? Yeah, we could we can keep still having-
0: show his first absolute adventure even before the prequel tv show you know
1: (laughs) you know it's is that we could still keep telling indiana jones stories in comic books and in video games and in novels you know it's like he doesn't have to age out and and the thing is because he's in that time period because he's because his stories are set in the past you know he it's timeless in its in its way because it's always going to be set in that era so you can tell more stories there you know and i think that if we if we don't get that i think the Lucasfilm are uh, missing a trick there because there's there's more mm-hmm. stories to be told. It doesn't have to be movies. That is so true.
0: They missed it on Willow, where the you know the movie well, was pretty popular. The show didn't quite click with everyone, and then they just all of a sudden just removed it. It's like, well, you given it, you've literally just thrown away all your money. You know, yeah. you, you got to have all this stuff grow and keep testing the waters instead of getting pressured by fans who you don't agree with on social media. We'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing?
1: Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now?
0: Well, uh, Yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, For instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. No, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece.
1: Mm, Nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys?
0: That comment... Is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to. Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, Give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say, Breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week, so dig in, it's breakfast time. Listen at Brentfast.com, Apple Podcasts,
0: or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win Show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world, and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America vs. Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus The Iron Giant, classic matchups like Robocop vs. Terminator, and even The Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast.
1: Now back to the feature presentation. I mean, it it does, I mean, this whole thing, you know, right, with Star Trek Prodigy just being taken off TV now as well, right? Is that, that that seems like a a weird decision to me because I'm like, don't we now, we're supposed to live in the age now where anything you want to see, you can see it, right? So it should be And then they're just
0: encouraging more and more theft if they just keep having more of these cock blocking so to speak more of these yeah because what are, what are people going to do right if people can't
1: they're going <laughs> to raise the black flag right they're going to run up the jolly roger that's what they're going to do it's going to be it's it's jack sparrow no time right? media yeah
0: yeah jack sparrow is a perfect example in fact i'm it's, surprised there wasn't even more pirates of the caribbean they, they had so many mediocre games but they were just asking for some cool comic book and book
1: tie-ins yeah i mean there were i mean there were i know there was some ya stuff that they did early on to tie in like they did like some young jack sparrow novels and stuff but, oh, okay. so
0: but for, yeah they but those were like I for mean, 12 and under
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah pirates of the caribbean is a good example of a, of a franchise that's sort of you know got got a lot of legs to it is is i you know i see these worlds these universes that give people a lot of love and i think if if there is if there's an audience out there that wants to read those stories, if they want to see those characters come back, why shouldn't those people get the opportunity to to have that?
0: Yeah, uh, embrace not only just embrace the fandom but respect it. Um, uh, I have not checked out your Splinter Cell audiobooks yet. Uh, I'm just glad that that's still being acknowledged in one way, shape, or form because there was a lot of tie-in books and I couldn't always get into them because they kept just yeah. using this there's like three different authors and who kept using a mutual name. And yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. That was a weird choice. That was some, um, <laughs> yeah, the the publisher, uh, they had like a house name. So they would, they would all be published under the name David Michaels, but it was like, like you say, it was like three different authors, which was kind of a weird, I thought it was a weird choice to me that he's like, just, you know, just give them, just say who it is. But yeah. I knew I mean,
0: last they said two years ago, uh, they were going to remake the first game. And then in retaliation, the, director of the original game left so it's kind of a shame I mean, that ubisoft hasn't cracked that code i mean they were talking about doing a movie for the longest time and now that yeah. they're producing mythic quest for apple i mean what's to stop them from doing an epic eight-part miniseries
1: i mean you know that there's the, the last i heard is that you know there is supposed to be an animated series in development Animated, oh, okay. and that was uh you know Derek Kolstad, who was the guy behind john wick you know mm-hmm. um when I was working on the novels is they said to me, okay, well, this is Netflix are working on this animated series. And, and I said, okay, well, where, where are my novels going to be set? And they said, well, we, we want you to set your novels before the animated series. So, you know, that was always in the back of my mind when I was writing the, the two books that I worked on. Uh, and, you know, I, I've seen some imagery from the animated series in development and it looked really good. And I was like, this is, this is great. I hope it goes ahead, but now they've been very quiet on it. So I have, I have absolutely no idea what the status is on that. Waiting I mean, I, 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 be- part, man. <laughs> I believe the Splinter Cell remake game, I believe that is still happening. Uh, you know, I, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad that it's been canceled or anything like that. As far as I know, that is still going ahead. So, you know, um, <laughs> I think that's, that's going to be interesting to see the, how they update that game for, for kind of like the, the, the contemporary era. Cause it was what, like 2000 something, 2003, I think when the first game came out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I will do, when the next Splinter Cell game comes out, you bet I will absolutely be there front and center to buy and play it. Because you know, it's when the funny thing was is my my publisher, Aconite Books, who who did the Splinter Cell books, the, yes, the editor in chief. Yeah. He 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 came to me and he said, Oh, we we're working with Ubisoft. Uh, I just, you know, and this was before it had been officially announced. He said, I want to let you know we're working with Ubisoft. And I just kind of grabbed him by the hand and I said, I want to do Splinter Cell. Straight away, I was like, I I I love Splinter Cell. If you're gonna do Ubisoft stuff, (laughs) if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna do Tom Clancy stuff, you call me first. You're like Jack Nicholson. If you get me, you get me on (laughs) that wall. You need me on that wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I was just like, I you know, uh, push him up against the wall. You are gonna hire me. Or it will not go well for you, right? (laughs) But (laughs) but but no, he knew he knew I was passionate about it. So he was like, Yeah, absolutely. If you don't hire me, then you hate the fan base. (laughs) <laughs> gotcha. that's your pitch that's your elevator pitch and, uh, you know but yeah i mean it's um it's it's uh that's a bit that's been interesting to work with because i've had a very kind of polar reaction from from some of the fans on the splinter cell forums is that some of them really really liked what i did and kind of could see what, what i was kind of coming from And other people were like no we hate this it's not this is not the splinter cell that we want Damn. and i'm like well okay you know that's i respect that you know i, I respect the choices there you know some people will find it's not to their taste and i'm like that's fine you know i'm not going to argue about that it's you know, there's there's still plenty of other material out there, and I can understand the kind of how Splinter Cell fans are a bit salty because they haven't been treated well. You know, they 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 have these yes. this game franchise, and then mm-hmm. the character, you know, guest stars in other people's games, and it's like you. I know what you want. You just want a Splinter Cell game. So do I. But right. it's like you know, every time you every time Ubisoft have an announcement, it's like, are they going to announce a Splinter Cell game? And they don't. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe next time then. You know, but it's you know, hopefully it's coming.
0: I would hope because, uh, like you say, it's just you want some kind of element of respect, you know?
1: Yeah. I and... mean, it's, 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 it is difficult because uh, these companies, you know, they, they know that anything they say is going to be like the wrong thing because you're going to upset somebody. So if you mm-hmm. say a game is coming, you're going to upset somebody. If you say a game is not coming, you're going to upset something. So at the end of the day, you don't say anything. And then you upset somebody because you don't say anything. And it's like there's no, there's no right answer that you can give. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and it's just best to walk away from that chat. It was like, eh, if we're not here to actually have a big detailed chat, this is already the wrong sauce. You know, <laughs> Come to me yeah. when we're actually going to sit down and talk instead of play phone tag or, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I would be remiss. And uh, uh, if I didn't have other answer, other fans questions uh, on how you got associated with the, modern day uh, doctor who and stargate franchise
1: so the doctor who stuff so that my, my my involvement in that came from working with the audio guys is the the same company that did the uh the judge dread audio drama i told talked about earlier big finish productions those guys also are very well known for doing these uh Doctor Who stories, where they took characters from the shows who, you know, who had left the show by that point, and were doing, okay, we're going to bring them back, and we're going to tell further stories with these earlier iterations of of the, the Doctor. And so they gave me the opportunity to, to write for that. Um, and that was great. You know, again, it was like, you know, writing about characters that I'd enjoyed watching on TV as a kid. It's like, oh, now I get to kind of put words in their mouth and write stories for them. So I, so I had, uh, had fun working on that. And off the back of that, uh, I got the opportunity to do a, a Doctor Who novel for what was the current doctor at the time, which was uh, David Tennant, who of course now is coming back.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> by popular request, it's been over ten years. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and so I and so I got to um kind of do two things I really enjoyed, which is writing a Doctor Who story and setting it in the old west. So I I, I went back to kind of <laughs> back of to the Western tropes, nice. For, yeah, for, for some of the stuff I, I was inspired by Sundown. It's, and and so I went back and I told a Doctor Who in the old, in the old west story have you ever uh, been asked was, to also
0: narrate some of your books
1: uh you know i've I, I i don't know if i could i don't think i'm I'm not that good of a voice actor you know yeah i mean i know some some writers do that i think uh you know I, I have a i have a friend who does uh voiceovers for books and he talks about how it's like 20 or 30 hours worth of of work and i thought oh, i don't know if i could do that man i think i would just wear me out you know yeah, yeah that's for <laughs> but um as for stargate that was some that was also that was a an interesting thing that was a a young lady who's working for the the company that started doing the rights is she was looking for writers and I and I heard about this and I said well you know I I I was watching the show I was a fan of the show and I said um you know what are you looking for and she said well we were they they needed a Stargate Atlantis novel at the time uh and I said well you know I like that show and she's okay can you pitch some ideas and and that was it And, and they were very open to uh to to new writers they were had a very aggressive publishing schedule at the time they were like we just want to get as many people in get as many cool ideas going and and so i had the opportunity to do a few things for them i did a, a couple of stargate atlantis novels uh i did a stargate sg1 novel and when stargate universe yeah, you came the down the line trio that was great and they asked me to to novelize <laughs> the the pilot episode of that which was which and was that's coming experience. back did you hear about that yeah i mean you know i mean stargate is one of those franchises Netflix now mgm that's one of those franchises where it's like you know. There's there's a ton of material there, right? It's like, why is that show? I mean, is I don't know if that show is on. Is it on a streamer somewhere? Because it should be. The, I, that, mean, some... that, that, I was meant
0: to tell you that earlier. I, I've seen I, I in the past when we've done sci-fi sit downs, I've seen people complain, "Why well, is it not a network TV?" And it's like, well, here's the thing: networks still don't haven't don't have sci-fi figured out. It, even Sci-Fi Channel is now in cancel mode after two years. They 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 want some new content. They don't want to stay with the same vibe after a while. So. Streaming's pretty much the way to go. And now that Amazon bought MGM for a billion, you know, and they reformed the whole Epics
1: cable channel and streaming platform. You know, anything's possible. <laughs> so is is starting on Amazon right now then? Because I I don't have Amazon Prime.
0: Uh that yeah, it, it's streaming on right, okay. Netflix and Prime still on and off. It's sometimes it shows up on Hulu all free shows, and I don't recommend the Hulu ones because they seem to use bad quality uh HD TV rips. <laughs> But I mean, it's good, though, that the show's out there. I mean, I think, you know, we, yeah. we you know, uh, Michael Shanks we, I mean, even said in an interview about five years ago, he's like, I can't believe it's still big because it hadn't been syndicated for that long. And, it, and the DVD sets were still getting pricey and still people have introduced their kids to it. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, I mean, we, we you know, we, we are supposed to be living in an on demand world, right? And I like the idea yeah. of the fact that, that I could kind of wake up tomorrow morning and go, you know what? I fancy watching all of Stargate SG-1 again. Where is that? And I can push a button and go, here it is. And you know, and I I don't have to kind of dig through my DVD collection for it or you absolutely.
0: Know, and the actors or, have become bigger since. I, I've introduced people who are fans of uh more recent work starring uh, a lot of the Atlantis guys, including Momoa, you <laughs> know, so it's insane. oh yeah funnier just saying he's like yeah this is what they were doing before they got to the fifth or sixth stage of their career
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's funny actually i was watching an episode of atlantis and and jason momoa is kind of it was it was one of the ones where he'd he'd been introduced to the show and i thought oh wow you know there there he is kind of like you know at the start of his career now he's this big movie star you know and just see him in like fast x and everything you know (laughs) It's just, um, yeah, it's it's incredible to see these people, yeah, you know, the different stages of their career. And I think the thing about Stargate, you know, what it reminds me of the most is it reminds me of how I enjoyed the original Star Trek when I was younger. It has that same yeah. kind of joy and fun and energy to it, you know, as characters right? going off and having <laughs> adventures. And and you can see they're really they're having a good time doing it. And I really like that about that show, you know, because it was you have contemporary characters, I thought people of it from the, the same way kind room, of. The original, you know, people from the everyday world in that sort of crazy science fiction universe. I think that's a great idea.
0: The the first era in the '90s was kind of uh, original series, and Next Gen Atlantis was Deep Space Nine, and Universe was kind of Voyager. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it, it breaks my heart that they never got to resolve that show. You know, is that they, those those poor guys are still out there mm-hmm. on on that ship in on the Destiny out there in the middle of deep space? Yeah. They never brought them back. You know, in my mind, they they made it. It. they don't yeah. like the answers <laughs> they don't like yeah i mean i mean i think you know all right if they brought stargate back it would be kind of cool to go like just send a ship out there and bring those yeah, people don't back. even
0: call it issues, or anything have all three characters intersect i mean because that's what universe did pretty well they would have some of the uh much like the star trek shows they would have characters from the other shows appear but not intrusively you know
1: yeah I mean, it's you know, and, and everybody's all over that stuff now, right? Since the MCU kind of went, like, look, this is how you do. This crossover. was our original like, cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, but if you go back and well, you know, Star Trek and Stargate were doing that way before Marvel Something started doing that. Movies, was doing you
0: know? it uh, with Law and Order, uh, and even X Files. Uh, have you heard of the Valverde
1: universe? Oh, is the the you mean from the the Republic of Valverde from? Yeah, Predator Two
0: and yeah. uh, uh, Die Hard Two and even uh,
1: <laughs> Commando. I have but... I have a T shirt with that uh, Viva Viva La. Republica Do really? Oh, Day nice! On the I need to get one.
0: <laughs> That's, uh... Apparently, uh, the same uh, truck company in the Die Hard movies is also in the Speed movies, and of course, okay. and Predator crossed over with Alien. And Ridley Scott confirmed that the Android company in Blade Runner is the same <laughs> That's one. That's <cool. laughs> so, If. If don't. you
1: read my Splinter Cell novel, the the airline from Die Hard 2 is in my Splinter Cell novel. No I just, way! Yeah, I, I I did that as a little Easter egg. I I, I like putting jokes oh, like that in for people. So I just will la- check
0: that out. That is just
1: a just a little in reference there. If you know your action movies, you'd be like, oh, it's that, yeah. that particular the airline that John McClane's wife is on turns up in my Splinter Cell novel.
0: Well, they meant to make 24 part of the Die Hard saga. I think they still could with comics and books crossovers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I applaud you and David Mack for also thanking the Wicca because yeah, it is very confusing, and th- those guys were taking big, big notes to where you're like, okay, that's the agent's name. Sorry, I knew the actor, I didn't know their name.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, tell me about. It. I mean, I you know, I was lucky to do the 24 novel. I could not have done that without the the a, a, a legion of diligent fans keeping all of those notes in in order. I mean, I've been watching 24 since the beginning, but it's like so. Good. I don't. I can't remember it all. You know, yeah. And I'm glad that I'm glad that somebody out there is is uh, helping out tie and rise like me. My, my I mean, mother would do that when I would watch some of those shows,
0: like Rizzoli and Isles, uh, all the Law and Orders, uh, Luther, and uh, some of the other procedurals. And she's like, "What's that one with that one blonde actress?" I'm like, uh, "You got to be more specific. Are you talking Closer? <laughs> yeah. Are you talking uh, You, know, <laughs> you uh, Star Trek on me. Battlestar? Who, 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 yeah. what, what blonde badass are you talking about?"
1: <laughs> We had, we had a lot of fun doing the the twenty four novels, you know, when that was uh, the so that was David Mack, myself, and, and Dayton Ward, and we were all working with mm-hmm. a, an editor who was a close friend. Say of mine. award for me. He's doing good stuff Edward. too. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. And and we we were working with uh, an editor called Marco Palmieri, who we worked with on the Star Trek lines before, and he came to us and he's like, look, I know you guys love twenty four. Uh the publisher I'm working with, we we have the rights to do this this follow-on from you know, it was gonna it was gonna sync up with the live another day series. So, so it's like oh. can you do do some stories that are set before? Actually, that I, knew series. That. I did, you know. I, for whatever reason
0: I thought you meant uh legacy and was like, I would have liked to see a book on no, that was before,
1: so, no, so, so this was before uh, But yeah, when live he out, went to London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So, I own both, which both is, books and is, which, which is which is fun for me as well. That that season, like kind of having Jack Bauer come to my hometown. Was kind of cool, you know, and
0: then even get some great directors who had worked on stuff like spooks, known as M5 yeah. over here.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, that would be a cool
0: crossover. Technically, they're both owned by Fox, you know, Sky. Well, um,
1: <laughs> you know, it's like, I, did, I, I think, uh, did I do it in the end? I was gonna, I, I think I was gonna put a spooks reference in my 24 novel, but I could place Pierce for it Pierce, Assigned Bauer, hey, you get a yeah. three asylum, but <laughs> I don't, I, don't you think, I don't do think not I don't think Harry Pierce would get on very well with with Jack Bauer's kind of style of, of, of BBS, Oh, yeah, I, BBS, I know. But I, I just, just mean, like... like, he just comes to his office saying there's
0: a mole here, yada yada. I'm not <laughs> sure if it's semi six, or if it's CIA, or even an yeah. FBI renegade, or maybe it's the Russians, again, those damn Russians.
1: Because <laughs> when, when they gave me the job for that, it was um, the, the, the sh- originally they were, they were saying to me like do you want to write more than one and i was like i don't have the time to 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 do these to do more than one novel and we had a whole we had a whole idea about talking about doing more of them and those were better and... like those well, both you and
0: uh, mac and ward's books gave me so much more hope for the franchise because instead of uh, previous novels had been kind of hit and miss where they kind of it's like they were kind of getting into even more political arguments and they didn't sound like stuff the characters would do and you guys kind of just wisely said, you know, like so-and-so walks in with a shit-eating grin. So-and-so has a <laughs> oh, shit look on their face. You know, it's like stuff that, you know, only visually can, you know, come across. And it's like, see, that's what we need. I I want to know what's... Uh, people even still want to know what happens next with even Chloe and Tony Almeida. Oh, yeah, you know. In I mean, my mind, I... Jimmy Smits became president in that final season. And then uh, Eric uh, became a secret service agent. <laughs> and they're, Cause He's going to team they... up with Agent Pierce to... Free Bauer from Russia.
1: <laughs> when they gave me the, the the job, they said, like, you know, look, you're going to write the first book out of the gate. So can you can, can <laughs> you write the show. The, no pressure. can you can you kind of start, you know, can you can you kind of say like, that the brief they gave me is they said, can you just say what happens to Jack after? the end of the previous season and you remember if you remember that season the last shot is jack looking up and it's like his face on a camera and he's like a drone's looking down at him and chloe's like what's going to happen to jack and he's like he's going to go on the run and, and yeah and everybody everybody <laughs> and their dog are chasing him right and it's like and that's the way the season ends right and so i said right okay i'm going to pick up like one hour later and it's like what happens to, how does he get out of the u.s you know what's the last thing he does before he he disappears if he goes off the radar forever and that's what deadline that's what the story was about but the thing was is I I didn't have a lot of time to write it my and my editor said to me well you know if you can't if you can't meet the deadline you know literally the deadline for deadline if you can't meet the deadline uh you, you know you can't do the book and so I wrote that book in 48 days and that's the that's the fastest I've ever written anything in my career and I just kind of like you know I, I pulled all-nighters for for the best part week after week And I think I kind of channeled the energy of Jack Bauer, you know, because I was on a clock the same way that he was, you know, and uh, all of that kind of, I think, shows in that book. And I had such a fun time doing it. And then Dave comes in and Dave was Dave's book Rogue is kind of like, you know, that's a, that's a cool story about, you know, you see a different aspect of Jack's past there. And and then Dayton did trial by fire, which was basically, that's kind of almost like the Jack Bauer origin story. novel. It's just like, you know, yes,
0: really Uh, great work. I think everyone's looking for more of that because they were talking about doing an origin show and no one could agree on it. And then it was just going to be kind of a pissing match with the fandom where it's like, well, who can we get? Who looks like Jack Bauer? Cause you know, it's a hard role to fill. Like
1: yeah. I mean, I would either, you, know, you know, what the last thing we see is him, like he's dragged off to Russia. Right. And I'm like, well that, you know, you, you could do that story. You know, if, yeah. even if Keith, if if Keith but... doesn't want to come back and do it as a TV show, you know, that's a novel that you could write. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and, and I know a lot of people, didn't like 24 Legacy. I thought it was a good effort. I thought they did a good job trying to kind of at least like Treadstone, reboot the identity,
0: just build the world more, show that there's more than just one, you know, sleeper agent.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you know, 24 is key for Sutherland, right? A lot of people just can't, can't disconnect those two things. Just like James Bond, this era is the golden age. In fact,
0: speaking of Bond, is
1: there any hope of
0: doing another Bond novel? Because they had some for a while during Craig's era. that
1: really Yeah, standalone. I mean, what's the? I don't know what the going on in Fleming's old well, scripts I mean, there's there there. Yeah, I think that Anthony Horowitz, the guy who did those ones, I think that he's he's kind of come to the end of doing his now. There there was a new novella that came out just recently, which was actually written to kind of coincide with uh King Charles's coronation. Uh- <laughs> and that was and it, and it's actually a novel about a guy who's trying to kill assassinate King Charles before wow. he gets the crown. That's and it's insane. set in the modern day, and, and that's kind of it, it's only quite it's 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 pretty good fun actually. I read it's called *On His Majesty's Secret Service* oh, there you by go. Uh, Charlie Hickson. That's a that's a fun book. Um, <laughs> I and I don't know if they're going to do any more past that. There is uh there is another writer, Kim Sherwood. She is writing hmm. uh, novels which are kind of set in the Bond universe, but they're not about Bond. Oh and sweet! It's I it's, it's about like other the the other Double O agents. So the so the first sweet. book starts like james bond has gone missing presumed dead and it's like the other agents are like kind of where has he gone what's going on and who are these people so it's more like in a lot of ways it reminded me a lot of spooks it's about a team of you know double o agents kind Mm -hmm. of working together so it's not (laughs) just focused on one character and her first book uh double or nothing uh, that that just that one's come out quite recently i think she's going to do a couple more that's neat well, since you're such a
0: fan of some of these other espionages, I have some good notes. Uh, did you ever see that uh, hit movie, Spy Game? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, was a, that was a terrific movie, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, the screenwriter of that, uh, who also worked on the similar Sniper series, he gets paid each time they make a sequel to that 90s movie. Um, uh, yeah, the author, uh, Michael Frost Beckner, uh, he teamed up with Beacon Pictures, who actually owned the rides. So Universal was just a distributor. So he actually, because they made so many changes, you know, I just insistence. It's just part of the Hollywood compromise. He decided, here's my version, based on my original draft. And I'm going to make it a book trilogy, and it's it just came out now. the The Spy Hards podcast even interviewed him, and man, he was giving some juicy details. Is like,
1: <laughs> it's like he, he lives and breathes espionage. <laughs> it wasn't it. I mean, Spy Game. I mean, so that was that was the Brad Pitt movie, right? It was yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think. But, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not. I think. I'm not sure if this is true. I remember someone telling me that that was the movie that Pitt turned down Jason Bourne to do. Yes.
0: Uh, they they it... confirmed a lot of the stuff and he, they even got even more detailed on how uh, uh, just everyone was unsure about it and just back and forth. who was going to play the leads and how was it even going to end? And the hardest part was just making all the dialogue fit without being dull or too much exposition. That was their main mm-hmm. pickle.
1: I get. I mean, I guess, you know, it, it, I mean, you think about that, it'd be interesting to imagine the Bourne identity with Brad Pitt in that role yeah. instead, of, instead of Matt Damon. But then, I mean, as I understand it. And they're both in Ocean's 11 around the same yeah.
0: time. Investors I, were crazy at that time. And then, you
1: know, but then I suppose, you know, if you think of like Pitt saying, well, I'm going to do this other movie because I get to work with Robert Redford. And it's like, yeah, you can understand why an actor would make a choice like that. Well, you the know.
0: original Condor, I get to be mentored by him.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, and that is like, you know, you've you've mentioned a, a terrific movie there you know the original three days of the condor you know based on what the novel six days of the condor that is that is a great piece of spy thriller storytelling you know and i mean i know they did a tv series kind of modern updating of it which i watched a few episodes i thought it was okay but you know i, I just think it doesn't hold a candle oh, to the, wait, 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 the original the Condor, did you see that? The, the TV oh, yeah. show? Yeah, it's yeah. It's like the modern day that, updating of that was three a Condor. Yeah, that was more like the Americans. That that was related to Condor only. <laughs> yeah, very different beast. I mean, there was another show that did a similar sort of thing, uh, Rubicon, which had James yeah. Dale in it. That yeah, was there you go very slow burn show you know you really have to kind of pay attention i remember
0: we saw that when that came out and we were like this is so good but it's not going to make it past the season because it's just too complex and it doesn't have the patience that we do
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i i i i I remember watching that and thinking this feels like a novel for television is this this is really dense Mm -hmm. and it's like you know you have to kind of really pay attention to what's going on there's hope especially with jack ryan season four finally concluding I just saw the first two episodes of that uh, preview screening this week, actually. Oh man! And uh, it was great. It was at the the London Action Festival. They had the uh, the first two episodes, of Wendell Pierce was there doing a Q and A. Isn't he amazing?
0: Uh, yeah, he has done all kinds of ethnicities, and here he is, you know, playing a black Muslim who's also having to, you know, be the boss. And you know, again, you know, it just it does all the. It's gone for so many showrunners, and somehow still kept up the pace. You know, that's yeah. That's, that's and it, really,
1: it really feels like as well as well it's like yeah, that, that's i mean I'm, i can't say anything about it obviously for a spoiler reason but, but yeah. i will say this is it feels like classic kind of spy stuff you know just that sort of cold war era real kind of pressure cooker sort of the just that, everyone that sort of... is
0: breaking a sweat and going, What happens next? <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I mean it was so I yeah, we watched the first two episodes back to back, and I was like at the end of it, I was like, oh damn, now I've got to wait until the I end the of the Same month. way I was season battling more, insomnia yeah. when season three came out. Uh and it was
0: just one of those where I'm like, I really gotta go to bed or I will have a headache. I'm like, well, you know, I accept my fate. This is a great show
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of that. Definitely. That's uh you know very excited about that. Absolutely, uh, they've cracked the code. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so you you
0: you give some hint you've given some hints on your, your upcoming projects and everything, uh, and given more than plenty of advice. Um, uh, obviously, the sky's the limit. Um, <laughs> what kind of
1: sky are you breezing through now that you're being the superstar? <laughs> oh, that's nice of you to say that. Well, um, well, right now, um, uh, so my the, the my publishing company just got bought out by another big publisher. So, <laughs> every, everything is kind of ground to a halt while everybody figures out what the hell is going on. So, um, so I, I have a couple of projects that are kind of in the hopper, but uh, until everybody decides what they're doing and where it's going. There's like nothing that I can officially announce, so I suddenly found myself with a bit of free time, which is really great. So I've been working on a couple of uh, of small projects. Like I said, I finished the the Rivers of London comic book, and yes. I, and I did. I, I've written another Commando comic book, which is going to be coming out um, later in the year. Uh, I saw you had some two
0: one offs that are
1: coming out also. Oh, yeah, and that. so so my my latest standalone novel that's uh, Dark Horizon that just came out last month. Uh, that just came out in hardback and ebook and an audiobook. And, and that is doing really well. A, a lot of people are saying really great things about it. I'm very pleased with it. It's 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 a bit different from my Mark Dane novels, where they're kind of more globe-trotting, kind of action adventure, mission impossible kind of style things. The Dark Horizon is much more kind of close focus. Mm. It's it's very much in that sort of like pressure cooker kind of mold. Uh, <laughs> and I had a I had a lot of fun writing that. It was one of those things where I just sort of said here's an idea I had years ago. Um, maybe I could make it work. And, and my editor said, but we need another book from you. What do you got? I got, well, I got this idea. I'm not sure if it works. Like, I like that, do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, I kind of just threw myself into it. Uh, it was one of those things where I wasn't sure if it would work at the beginning, but once I got into it, I, I found the kind of the, the, the sweet spot and, uh, and now it's, it's, the, it's done pretty well. So I'm hoping that that will, uh, the audiences will really enjoy that. And and that uh, will carry through. What are you through. currently binging? So, <laughs> what have I watched recently? So I just yesterday I just watched The Mother, that movie with uh, is Jennifer Lopez, uh, Lawrence, with but the... J Lo. It's all good.
0: Oh, oh, The Mother. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So
1: where um, J Lo is. Yeah, J So, so, so J Lo doing basically kind of John Jane Wick. You know, it's yeah. like, it seems like <laughs> it seems it seems like there's there's a lot there of these. Do think there'll be movies. some John Wick novels? There was a prequel comic. I think the the thing about John Wick is so kinetic, right? It's 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 hard to do that justice on the printed page. Maybe in a comic book you can make it work, but I think a novel. Yeah, a novel there, would have. There's to, a great it would comic I think
0: you'd love uh, that shows yeah. how
1: he first met Lady
0: J and <laughs> a deadly encounter.
1: But yeah, so I, I'm watching that, and what have I watched? So I've been watching a lot of action movies. I just saw Kandahar with uh, uh, Gerard Butler, which yeah. uh, that got that got really bad reviews, but I liked it. Yeah. I don't know if, if I don't know if that means my maybe maybe my taste isn't that great. Critics I, I'm into a lot of stuff. Like
0: Syriana <laughs> in the Kingdom, but it seems like it was for that crowd, and a lot of people were just getting
1: bored. And they're like, we want them to blow stuff up every minute. It's like that's not what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, my taste in action movies, I I, I like, I, I I won't lie. I mean, I love the Fast and the Furious movies, and those are just like crazy yeah. comic book. Shiny, glittery, fun. has yeah reignited its franchise coming out, yeah. but at the same time, you know, uh, the I, I'm I like watching movies with just like you know that might have some grit or guts in them. Like I, I watched the Raid two again recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen the Raid movies, those, yeah. those movies are just crazy. Indonesia with incredible fight scenes. You know, directed by this Welsh guy Gareth Evans. You know, he's just an amazing director. Some did some fantastic stuff. So. Um, I've been ping ponging around a lot of different things, but mostly it's just been different kinds of action movies. What I've been mainlining recently.
0: Stellar. Uh, the Equalizer, I'm convinced, is going to probably get to five movies total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless they want to wrap this up and it's like this is it. <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, people were noting how that's a Man on Fire reunion. Uh, and me and my buddies are we are huge Man on Fire fans. We always thought, you know, even though it was based on a book, we wanted to know more about that other Dimzell character john creasy's cia background because it was just so fascinating you don't get to see it on screen
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 weird that they never did a sequel to that but having said that i mean i'm glad to see that there's like we're, we're going to get him playing an action role again with equalizer three which i mean i saw the trailer for that and i thought that looks like it's going to be cool
0: I, I, I will take your word for it i, I always go in without seeing the trailer because uh you know it's not produced in studio anymore half the time it's just a bunch of you know guns for hire who just you know for the movie with the footage provided and try to make it look like something it's not (laughs) yeah
1: i mean see for me um i i loved i love i love the trailers when i go to the movie theater i love to uh, i'd always love to to see those because i like that uh, oh, i did back it, in the day it, it hypes me th- up right it excites me that, <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah you're doing that in a world where you know something bad will happen it's just hear that guy's
0: voice. At <laughs> one man conceive the world
1: you know one, I love man, that
0: one as, ranger one gun <laughs> one bullet
1: <laughs> i mean it's i'm such a sucker for that stuff really i watch oh my god this will be the most awesome movie ever you know i just i i, I, I love I, it when I, they I... actually get a proper song in there or
0: they'd even pull a deadpool where the trailer is its own star <laughs> oh,
1: yeah you know have you have you seen the the audio notes thing about the how to do an action movie trailer no Okay, so so um, if you look this up, when, when, when we finish talking, this is, it's, so this is a, a bunch of guys, they're called the oral Nauts. So it's A-U-R-A-L-N-A-U-T-S. And they, they did this YouTube video where they describe how to do like like a trailer for an action movie or Island like a Northern, Marvel.
0: I think I see it. And,
1: and it's, just, it's, just, it's just this black screen where they, they just do a voiceover and they show you how to do, how to cut together <laughs> an action movie trailer. With the, with the audio and everything. It's it's so brilliantly well-observed. And after you've seen it, you will never be able to watch an action movie trailer again because it is exactly dead on. These guys <laughs> just dismantle how it's done, but it's such a brilliant piece of work. It really That's is. That's lovely. He's uh, kind of like Rick Beto, who studies
0: every song and does the whole, why does this song work? Why does the bass yeah. highlight it? Why does the lyrics ignite interest? <laughs> And to uh, deconstruct everything and strip it down is that's a talent in itself.
1: and i i love that kind of stuff you know because i was always the kid who who wants to know how the magic trick gets done you know mm-hmm. not because not because i feel like you know i want to know Great the secret, but yeah. it's but it's because i want to just i, w- I want to understand how i can do it you know it's, it's how i want to learn how that stuff operates so i think once right. you once you see that you know once you learn how people do how, the, how they achieve their own kind of creative art is it can help you in your own creative art. Absolutely. Man, oh man!
0: So you, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you are locked and loaded. Uh, I can see you doing a mock uh, image uh, of yourself with the commando movie poster and then, <laughs> got, like, an eraser, a printer, <laughs> a computer typewriter. You know. <laughs> Remember when
1: I said I'd, I'd kill you last? I lied. <laughs>
0: I lied remember when I said I didn't the story I lied <laughs> there's going to be a sequel come on come with me now there you go Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger's just ignited interest you could do a John Matrix prequel novel with <laughs> all the tongue-in-cheek stuff yeah. for for a change
1: let's <laughs> do a sequel right you know John Matrix like 20-30 years later he's an old there man now but he's come out of retirement you know for he's one last man. fight you know? last I watched this. I watched I watched Arnie's show, Fubar. Actually, I thought that was a lot of fun. You it know, was so like, much fun, and it's definitely I'm, having the best time making that show.
0: I'm convinced that the Kennedys, who own half the corporation, said, "Make sure you, you know, bash the show without even actually watching it." <laughs> <laughs> How about his ex-wife Maria is still bitter, but yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, there there's was even talk at one point of even I think they were thinking of doing like a Rambo versus Predator comic, and I always thought Rambo okay. was. Since it started out as a book would have been a great continuing book franchise. But never
1: well, you know, I mean, if you if you ever read the original novel, you know, First Blood is it's a yeah, much it doesn't more, survive. it's it's and it's a very different book as well. You know, it's 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 uh, you know, and, I mean even the movie is it's is very gritty as well. You know, it's like it's it's not the franchise that it became. I mean, to me that's uh I mean not that those movies you know don't have their appeal or anything, but um yeah. to me the the quintessential Rambo is is that version in First Blood, you know.
0: No, that's fine. I I'm kind of the same way, where it's just like, everyone goes crazy about certain franchises. And it's like, yeah, but and the, the original movie is like the lightning in a bottle.
1: <laughs> it's true. You know, how many people talk about, you know, the Fast and the Furious movies, where, but they were, they were boosting DVDs in the first movie. And now they're traveling into space. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And I heard a like, rumor you know, they want
0: to deconstruct it and bring it back to reality. I'm like, then what was even the point of breaking reality? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's the thing is, is once you go, once you go big, well, then you have to keep going bigger and bigger, right? It's like, how do you, how do you mission draw back
0: morality, down? Tom in into space. I'm sure they'll probably kill him off and pass it on to someone else. But so he can
1: do more Top Gun movies, but there's just no telling. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, there, there's a kind of point of no return. I mean, I mean, the, the mission movies are, I love those. And. You know, watching the last couple, you think, "Oh, they're going to bring Jeremy Renner in now." And it's like, nope, no, that's not going to happen. He's he's going to be in it for a couple of movies, and he's going to go away. And it's like, oh, okay. And I keep thinking, are they going to bring all of the other characters who've been in Mission Impossible movies, and then like they haven't come back for the sequels? I would love to see like, like Maggie Q come back. in. I always I thought her character Maggie, was great. You know, they got Henry's Cerny
0: confirmed, and yeah, Israel Bassett was going to be in it from the onset. So, and yeah.
1: apparently, I, I I forget the actor's name, but the guy who played. The unfortunate CIA agent in the first movie, who Tom Cruise makes, oh, Emilio makes him vomit. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 guy, you remember the guy in the computer room, yeah, I mean, when, when he gets that's... winched in. No, yeah. not Emilio Estevez. No, the 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 guy at the end of the movie. Oh the the guy who's like literally the 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 dude working on the computer in the oh, room that where he would be weak.
0: hysterical he's like oh man my and he's from hell he's
1: back yeah and he's the guy he's the guy they they said at the end he's like I want him manning a a radar tower in Alaska by the end of the day right and that guy there gets cashiered. Go they're bringing that guy back for the next mission impossible movie yeah I thought, that, they, that's they, that's such a deep cut callback it's so cool they really did screw the pooch you thought that maggie q jonathan rise myers and
0: company were going to come back and and they like had him listed as dead in like a scene that was in the mi4 trailer but of course being range came back for a cameo and so it's like i do wonder is like what <laughs> what can they do and it's like it, it doesn't take much to just say hey you know not dead but still alive i mean I, I, you
1: know as character if, if i could pick just one character from the from the mission franchise who i would love to see come back it's just one person Stanley Wayne newton i would love to see that would you know be cool you know the character she played i mean is it naya 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 nordorf hall from the second movie mm-hmm. i know the second movie doesn't get a lot of love but she could it, now be a spy instead of a criminal thief you know yeah and, and you know the and the thing is is, is like you know the, the emotion in that is her and Ethan's character. You know, those they fell in love in that story, and 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 then they went they their separate ways. And I would love to see the two of them come back, especially with like the, where Ethan's character is now in the later films. Is just to have Naya return and have an, that moment of the two of them in the same room. And it's like, okay, well, we're different people now. Yeah, you know, we had a thing once, but we've got to we've got to go off and do some cool action stuff. And I would love to see her come back, even if it was just to kind of, you know. If she hands him a dossier and says like, I hope you're doing okay. And she walks off. I'd love to see her do that. You know, just to, cause I think she's a fantastic actress and I thought it was a really cool character. And it, I think yeah, it would be a nice way to kind of just of. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, you know, we've still got, we've got two more movies to go before they tie up the franchise. So who knows it could happen. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
0: you You have been more than gracious with your time and, I hope this year just keeps pumping. I hope you keep finding some other fun stuff, you know, franchise, be part of other franchises before people even realize they're a franchise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you, man. I'm, I, uh, I've been, I've really enjoyed our chat today as well. It's like, I always say about this is- It's, it's um, a human I'm lucky. chat. I, I don't want I get, to get to be scripted. I get to do what I love for a living, right? And, <laughs> and it's and it's always cool for me to sort of share that. I like to share that love. I like to share that enthusiasm. And if I can encourage other people to to sort of carry this on as a career, then I say, go for it absolutely i mean
0: i i can see so many other franchises even just continuing as books you know anything from terminator to Battlestar is just like everything is out there in some capacity uh i'm surprised we weren't even attached to blade runner at one point you know this is you respect just intelligence the viewers love your both your original and your tie in stuff and uh kudos to anyone who can conquer all kinds of markets and well, be happy you, about all their contributions instead of well, that was payday, or well,
1: well, you, you know, I'm, well, the thing is, what it comes down to is, is I'm a fan of this stuff, and you know, I enjoy it, and I, I get a lot of love out of it, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it, and I think if if I wasn't, I wouldn't put that much energy into it because you can't, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can be true to these franchises if you don't care about it. Because you're just, then it is just a payday. Then you are just phoning it in. And I think yep. if there, there are people out there who have done that, there are tie in stuff, you can read it and you go, well, this guy doesn't really get whatever it is. I don't want to be that guy. I, right. I would never work on a franchise. For, if someone said to me, work on this thing, and I'm like, I don't like that show, I, I, I couldn't do justice to it. Give it to somebody who loves it's it. It's so true. I see so many
0: people who get roped into it, and it's like, or you even see directors guest starring on an episode, and you're like, I've never watched an episode. I'm like, well, that's why you're not going to get along with this. The main crew yeah. today because they're going to correct you on stuff you sh- i mean it doesn't take much to just watch one
1: <laughs> watch pilot, it comes down to anyways. like show, show respect for the material you know because the, that's what the fan base wants
0: well that and obviously fans are always going to argue but if you can prevent an argument before it happens <laughs> definitely do that <laughs> oh man so you rock this my dude and I wish nothing but good fortune for you. So you too. Thanks again,
1: Cam. I really appreciate it. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a Show.